Welcome to the Real Raw You podcast. I'm your host, Katie Duda, a certified nutrition and digestive health coach, sharing with you how to navigate the noisy wellness world that exists today by cutting through it with an anti-diet, science-backed approach. I use my experience of overcoming a long battle with anorexia to now educate and empower you to step into your full potential. I share approachable tips both on and off the plate for how to fuel your body, mind, and spirit with nourishing choices so that you can finally have the energy, clarity, and confidence you desire, but have been unable to achieve it in this ever-confusing and ever-changing diet-focused culture. I'm so honored that you're here. Let's get into it. Hey, friends. Welcome back to the show. So good to have you here. Say, I wanted to put this podcast together because it was brought to my attention after speaking with a client this week that I think a lot of people, I take for granted that a lot of people actually don't feel full after their meals or they are hungry within an hour. And it dawned on me that potentially I take it for granted that most people that just I feel as though it should be mainstream knowledge to know that you shouldn't be hungry all the time. But I think somewhere along the lines where we were told, you know, to be eating this and this and avoid this and that and to be only eating these types of things if we want to look a certain way and take care of our body and be healthy that came at the expense of being hungry all day. And it came at the expense and it's just been accepted now that after you eat, if you're not fully satiated and nourished, it's actually a sign that you didn't go overboard or that you you restricted and you were good and it should be rewarded behavior. I don't know. I feel like somewhere along the lines we we tripped up here and we are we're really backwards in our thinking and I want to tell you that there is such a better way to live. And that is you're going two and a half, three and a half hours in between meals, totally satisfied and not having any cravings. And the best part is that there is a way to do it that is completely healthy. It's great for your body and it's going to allow you to stay on track with hitting your goals. Now, I'm not here to prescribe ever medical advice, and I can't ever give you a specific recommendation in terms of what is going to work for your body. No doctor, no nutritionist, no matter how credited they are, they don't know you and your body the same way that you do. So what I'm going to be giving you is a framework, okay? It's based on science to support keeping your blood sugar levels stable. However, it is not a specific meal plan. I never will give you a specific meal plan, and it is intended for you to use as a framework. And so the specifics in which you fill in the blanks for are going to be different for you than they are for me. And that is totally normal. There is a concept called bio-individuality, which essentially means that even though something is deemed a health food, right, fermented foods, kombucha, um, kale, sunflower seeds, I don't know, like all of these buzzwords that you might be hearing, those might be superfoods for me and they might work really, really well for me. Meaning when I eat them, I feel really energized. They're working well for me. My nutritional needs are being met, but you could eat them and feel like crap. You could totally bloat up. You could break out. You could feel super lethargic not saying it happens all the time. Most times with real food, it doesn't. But sometimes 
just because it's a health food. I just want to free you from that, <laughs> from that statement and truth that it doesn't mean that's good for you. So you need to harness your voice and believe that you are a super woman or man that has all of the knowledge and power that you need right there inside of you. You just have to be brave enough to honor it and listen to it and actually take action. When you eat a meal, you should be full and satiated and not depleted of energy and or bloated or gassy. You should be able to go at least three and a half hours, ideally, unless you're under special circumstance dealing with a special circumstance that you would know about, i.e. being pregnant or having diabetes or something like that. But for the most part, 95% of the population should be able to go that long between meals. And if you don't, then that's where we need to redirect and ask, okay, what are you putting on your plate? And what's the state of mind in which you're eating those meals? Are you stressed out? Are you on the go? Are you signaling to your body that it's actually time to digest and have a meal? Or are you just bypassing it and shoving food in your mouth? All of these things really important to look at, okay? So let's take a look at what that framework is, though, in terms of what you should always really be striving for most times, you know, 85% of your week to be having at every meal. Because this is what's going to allow your body to work in the most optimal way so that the food performs in the way that you want it to, whether it's you need to be sharp for work, whether it's you need to feel um, fueled for a workout in a few hours, whether it's you need to have the energy to chase your kids around, whatever it is, food works for us, not against us. And it's a beautiful thing and it should be cherished and loved and not deprived and be this negative demon. So first and foremost, protein. Protein at every single meal is so crucial. If you are feeling hungry after your meals, the first place I want you to look is how much protein you're having. Ideally, at a minimum, you're having 20 grams of protein, and you can be working your way up to 25 or 30 grams of protein per meal. This is a general framework. Remember, please don't take this to heart, but for the most part, most people should at a minimum be having 20 grams of protein per per meal. And we know protein is the building block. It is essential amino acids. And the most bioavailable, absorbable form of protein is animal-based products. Now, it's critical to note that animal-based products should always be sustainably sourced. It is very important. If you are looking at where is important to prioritize organic versus conventionally raised and you're having protein and meat on a daily basis, I want you to think about protein being the most essential. You are eating that animal which has been essentially grazed on either a stress-free, natural, non-GMO, natural habitat diet, i.e. grass or an organic feed that's non-GMO, or you're having animal meat that is conventionally raised, injected with pesticides, eating GMOs, probably in a stressful environment, and you're there absorbing all of those antibiotics. So it really, really, really is important, the quality here. So if you're looking at pasture-raised, you're looking at grass-fed and finished and organic. So some examples, pasture-raised chicken broths. Uh, my favorite are chicken thighs, like getting the whole chicken and cooking that up, 
all delicious. Eating the skin for that nice collagen and amino acids. You can make um, chicken tenders if you have an air fryer, but get creative. You want to be looking for pasture-raised, free-range chicken, okay? When you're looking at beef, grass-fed, and finished, there should be labels on there that uh, will will distinguish that for you. There is a brand called Panorama at Whole Foods. Uh, it's their kind of Whole Foods brand, and that's where you can get it for pretty affordable, and it's really good quality. Um, most people aren't a fan of organ meats, but they are the most nutrient dense and all of the amazing, amazing, um, different sources of, of nutrients that come in organ meats. So things like, um, chicken or beef liver, if you can, if you can muster it and chop it up super, super small and put it in with like other ground beef or ground chicken or make like meatloaf or meatballs or something like that. Uh, really delicious and also really, really, really um, nutritious for pregnant women. So organ meats are just, they're much more nutrient dense than a muscle meat. So if you can enjoy the taste, go for it. Next would be some pasteurized cage-free eggs, wild-caught salmon, wild-caught shrimp, wild-caught halibut or cod. So all of the seafoods, making sure that those are wild-caught, but seafood is really great, strong in omega-3s, which are those essential fats that we need, and we need more of them versus what we have way too many of, which are the inflammatory omega-6 fats. We need both omega-3 and omega-6, but the ratio in which we have them should be like 3 to 1, 3 to 1 being uh, the majority coming from omega-3s. And I think according to the standard American diet, most most Americans are at like a 600 to 1 in terms of where they're getting their omega-6s. And that would be things like your processed industrial seed oils, so the canola oils, the vegetable oils, uh, safflower oils, things that are in like chips and uh, processed packaged goods, things like that. So there you have it. Some of my favorite protein sources. You're aiming for 20 to 30 grams of protein at every single meal. It's the first place I find that uh, is is lacking on people's plates is they're just not having enough animal product. And if you are not um, eating animal meat, please make sure that your your sources are are verified in quality in terms of if you're having tofu, making sure that you're always, always prioritizing non-GMO organic. Um, if you're having tempeh, making sure that it's fermented. But I am a really big proponent of animal-based products just simply because uh, containing heme versus non-heme iron uh the majority of animal-based products are very abundant in heme iron, which, you know, is a big reason why people are eating protein and animal animal meat specifically. And that just means that it's that much more um, absorbable in the body. So moving on to the next component of your plate, right? So this is everything you're striving to have on your plate. Before you sit down, you're looking at your plate and you're saying, okay, do I have protein? Check. The next component is fat. So a tablespoon or two at least of healthy fat, right? Going back to those omega-3 fats at every meal. So a couple of really good examples here would be things like a grass-fed ghee, which is essentially clarified butter. Um, If you are, you know, cooking your vegetables, you could saute that up with some really nice ghee. Has a beautiful high smoke point and a really good rich aroma flavor. Yum, delicious, Food should always be tasting good. If your food is boring, 
that's going to make life boring. So please make sure that you're adding good seasonings and butter. Don't be afraid of butter. I have an entire podcast episode on why you need fat and why fat actually isn't what's making you fat. Um, It's the quality of the fat that matters. And it's actually really the high amount of refined carbohydrates and sugar in people's diets that's causing the fat, not the fat. Actually eating fat slow uh, speeds up the metabolism and allows you to burn fat. So we don't need to be eating crazy, crazy amounts of fat. But let's say you're having an avocado, like a quarter of an avocado at a, at a serving or a tablespoon or two of nut butter or uh, grass-fed ghee, like I said. Um, all of these are really great sources of fat. Um, you know, if you're having, if you can do dairy, making sure your dairy is uh, organic and um, grass-fed. And you can always make sure to be opting for the full fat version of any type of dairy or really anything for that matter. Because when we strip the fats and remove the product from its natural source of how it was raised, we need to then what add in all of these other artificial ingredients or add more sugar or add more sodium or fillers or binders in order to make it taste good because you've stripped the flavor from it. So full fat, you should never be ashamed or shy away from it. It is really, really healthy for you, and it actually helps you burn fat. So some of my favorite oils would be an organic avocado oil, extra virgin olive oil, um, virgin coconut oil, making sure that it's cold-pressed and non-refined. And like I said, love nuts and seed butter, but really making sure that you're looking at the ingredient list there and making sure that it's just organic nuts and salt, no added oils. Um, You'll see a lot of like hydronated oils a lot of times, palm oil, things like that. No, you do not need it. You just should be on the lookout for an organic nut plus the salt. So there you have it. And I also want to let you know that it is not necessary for you to count your fat intake in terms of grams, provided that you're meeting your minimum requirements of protein per day, and you're not crazily over consuming carbohydrates, like more than 100 grams of carbohydrates in a day. Again, we're not counting calories or counting macros or grams really at all, but get familiar with what 20 to 30 grams of protein looks like, depending on if you're having a protein shake or um, what 20 to 30 grams of protein in a piece of meat looks like. It's typically about the size, the palm of your hand. Um, provided that you're meeting that minimum amount of protein per day. Um, so you're having 20 to 30 grams of protein per meal, three meals a day, right? Between 60 and 80. You don't need to worry about overconsuming fat because your body will uh, auto correct and it will it will just basically tell you how much fat you will fill up after your meals and you might still have some stuff on your plate because your body is like, "Ah, I've got it. So if you are looking to know exactly what your minimum protein requirements are, you can, um, you know, I always say take about 0.8 of your body weight in kilos. So to get your weight in kilos, you would divide your weight in pounds by 2.2 in order to get your weight in kilos. So you can kind of get a rule of thumb there. 
Okay, so you've got your fiber, you've got, or excuse me, you've got your fat, you've got your protein. Now we're moving on to dun, 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 your fiber. So fiber is obviously critical if you're looking in terms of keeping yourself satiated for two, three hours at a time because it adds bulk to your other food and it slows down the digestive system. So where do we find fiber, right? In foods. So some of my favorites that the first one is actually a two for one, meaning it's going to count and double as a fat and a fiber. And that's avocado. I love avocado. I love it sliced on top of so many different things. So having a half of an avocado in a day is actually almost half of your fiber intake. So if you can have a quarter of an avocado in a smoothie and a quarter of an avocado over lunch or dinner, right there, boom, you've got it. Um, flax seeds are excellent sources of fiber. Psyllium husk is a binder that I like to put in my smoothies sometimes. You can't taste it and it makes your smoothies really, really thick. Other sources of fiber, of course, crucifix veggies, any type of veggie really. So, But my favorites would be Brussels sprouts, broccoli, and cauliflower in terms of the potency of how effective they are. Um, chia seeds, so you can make overnight chia seed pudding with coconut milk. So good. Such a great, easy go-to snack or breakfast idea. Love chickpeas um, if you can tolerate them. Cabbage is a great source of fiber, dark leafy greens, really the darker the, f- the color, the higher the fiber content. So think things like kale, spinach, bok choy, those are my favorites. But really like get creative, the world's your oyster. In terms of quantity of fiber, I always like to say ideally 25 grams of fiber a day. But if you have a really um, disruptive or specific unique digestive disorder case, Sometimes a really intense fiber diet actually is going to um, conflict with your any progress that you're making in terms of healing your gut and and getting rid of any potentially uh, overgrowth in your gut, whether you have SIBO or H. pylori. So really make sure that you're working and consulting with your um, doctor and your health coach on a specific diet for you. Again, that's a case-by-case basis, but most people, 25 grams of fiber, people aren't even getting close to that. And I'm speaking to people who don't have those specific unique gut cases that need maybe a more bland diet while they're working on healing other parts of their body. For the most part, 25 grams should be pretty doable if you're able to kind of adhere to making sure that every meal you're having about eight grams or so. So You know, being mindful about filling up that plate, getting half of it full of veggies, you know, adding that avocado, adding a scoop or two of flax seeds into your smoothie, blending that up. It will serve as making it nice and thick and also adding in that extra fiber. Um, A a cup of raspberries, any of the berry family, they have a lot of great fiber there. So, um, you know, you can be strategic and really packing in veggies and fiber and fat and protein all in a morning smoothie, which is typically my go-to. But some days I'm not craving that and I'll have like an egg scramble or something like that. But for the most part, I am a smoothie in the morning person simply because it's good, it's tasty, it's what my body's craving after a workout. And you can, quite frankly, fit in so many different uh, components of the macronutrients in one meal. So there you have it. 
And the last component, so we have fat, fiber, protein, and then phytonutrients are essentially what give plants their beautiful color. So really, when we're thinking about fiber, and I mentioned some of those sources above, if you're not, if you're using fiber as, let's say, an avocado, then we're still going to need your veggies. So if you're having phytonutrients and fiber as as one, so a big plate of vegetables along with your protein and fat, then you're, you're, you're set there. It's a two for one. But we always want to have phytonutrients at every single meal and really any veggie works. You want to be aiming for, if you can, the organic for the Dirty Dozen if you're prioritizing. Um, so the Dirty Dozen is a, a list that is updated by the EWG that you can research yourself in terms of the top 12 products that are going to have the most known pesticides, herbicides on them. Ideally, it's most times vegetables that you're eating the skin and consuming the outside. So not always though, and it's updated every year. So check that out. But the most recent uh, 2021 EWG Dirty Dozen has strawberries, spinach, kale, nectarines, apples, grapes, peaches, cherries, pears, tomatoes, celery and potatoes as the most dirty. So if you are going to be able to look to save save money and, and budget, you ideally make sure you're prioritizing those to be organic and the rest can kind of um, you know you can you can go non-organic. And then the clean 15, which organic isn't necessary, would be things like avocados, right? You're not eating the skin, um, pineapple, onions, papaya, sweet peas, um, eggplants, asparagus, cauliflower, cantaloupes, broccoli, mushrooms, cabbage, honeydew melon, and kiwi. So there you have it, my friends. That is what I'm always striving for in terms of having things on my plate. And now I will find that for me personally, I do need some grains also in my diet. So not a ton, but with every meal, I do like to have some grains, whether I'm adding a little bit of homemade granola on top of my smoothie, or I'm having some sweet potatoes with my dinner or a little bit of rice, I do need some grains. That's just how my body works. I'm a pretty active person and I went keto. I tried that back in like 2016 when it was like first trending and I lost my period. So it really disrupted my hormones and I lost a ton of weight, but I also lost a lot of my life and like had to work for four years to get back a period. So I know for me and my body, if I don't have carbs, just a, a small amount, I feel uh, not satiated after my meals. So again, do what works for you and experiment, but carbs are absolutely not the devil. And honestly, your body needs your your body needs glucose, right? And glucose is energy. So if it's not getting enough glucose through other forms of food, through your uh, fruit or through your vegetables, or you're just not meeting your minimum amount of carbohydrates in a day, it will, it is smart enough to go into other fuel sources, into your muscles and into your cells and convert glucose because it needs energy to stay alive. So if you're finding your body also does well on carbs, please add some to your meals, right? This is a general guideline. This is not a one size fits all, but I love, you know, starchy vegetables also have a good amount of carbohydrates in them. And those really do satisfy me when I'm craving something sweet and something nourishing. So like sweet potatoes are one of my go-tos. I eat them almost every day. 
you know, squash, parsnips, peas, potatoes, those are all really starchy veggies. Also, you know, having some, I don't really eat gluten because I have, um, I'm prone to leaky gut and a lot of skin issues. And so I just choose to stay away from a lot of gluten, but every once in a while I'll have a good organic whole wheat pasta, but we do like to, um, experiment with like Trader Joe's cauliflower or, uh, the cauliflower gnocchi, excuse me, or a pasta alternative or something like that. But really I do try to stick to the, the real source. So real potatoes, quinoa, organic white rice. Um, I am not afraid of carbohydrates. Now I'm not having them as half of my plate, but I'm certainly having them as maybe like a quarter of the plate. And then I'm having half veggies, another quarter, um, you know, protein and some fat. So hopefully that gives you a good guideline in terms of how to kind of follow this general framework next time you're packing a meal. And that when you do eat these and you make sure you have every element on your plate, I promise you, you will feel so much better after you eat and realize that three hours have gone by and you are still doing well from the meal prior. And that allows you to then have time, energy, and clarity to focus on the things that really matter in life, that the reason why you're destined and why you're here, it's not to sit around and worry about what you're eating and when when your next meal is going to be. Food is amazing and it's meant to be enjoyed, but it's also not meant to consume your life. So please don't let it, please know that you can, there's so like millions of different combinations and varieties that you could put on your plate following this framework that are still really, really, it's all healthy. This is all really good ways to feel and nourish your body without depriving it. So there you have it, my friends. Hope you found this episode insightful and helpful. And I'm thinking of you on your journey to becoming not hangry and actually having time to do things that are important in your life, like listening to podcasts, going out for a walk, having a conversation with a good friend, you know, cooking, baking, whatever it is. Go out and do great things today, create great change. I will see you. Same time, same place next week. Bye for now.